Welcome to the Naked Podcaster. Get ready to hear stories of someone brave enough to bear it all. Let's get naked. Welcome to the Naked Podcaster. Today I have Katrina Sawa on and we were connected through mutual friends. And when you start hearing how much you should meet this person, you meet this person. So we did. Katrina, it's great to have you on. How are you? Thank you, Jen. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> your company is jumpstartyourmarketing.com. Yes. Your website. And that instantly gives me fear, like, because the marketing is in the name. <laughs> Tell me all about it. Tell me all about your company. Well, it's funny because I started out um, uh, almost 18 years ago. And I was Kesawa Marketing or Kesawa Consulting. You know, you just don't know what you put your your business name when you first start out, right? Um, and it's evolved over time. And, and it was the marketing thing that really, I think, uh, helped me help other people. I just had a knack for it. And I love, love what I do now. Now it's more like everything in your business because I've been doing this for so long that I've learned, I've invested a ton in, in uh, coaches, mentors, masterminds, and workshops. And so now I know so much about so much. I'm kind of like one of those broad coaches that knows a lot about a lot rather than niching in this particular area. So uh, that's, that's what makes me unique now. So mm -hmm. I actually need to change my URL to jumpstart your business. I have jumpstart your business now too, which okay. I'm kind of like that, like, let's light a fire under you. Let's do this thing now. Like I'm it is about the jumpstart. It is about the stop waiting around to oh, someday we'll end up writing a book or someday we're going to do this thing. It's about, let's just do it now. Like people put too many barriers in front of themselves to get stuff done and do what they want to do. You help people who are brand new or people that have been around for a while. I mean, basically it doesn't really, is there a business that comes to you more frequently? Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm about half and half with mm -hmm. the new business versus the seasoned business owner because uh, the seasoned business owner is usually chugging along, doing pretty well, making okay money, but they can't take a vacation because if they do, they don't get paid or they don't have people. They don't have a team of assistants or web people or techie people or, or even people that do what they do, like mini knees, right? Yeah. And it's time to leverage. It's time to leverage. Maybe they have a six-year-old website. It's time to get new technology, new systems, and things like that. So in that regard, they need a jumpstart to the next thing or the next level of them. It could be that they need to raise their rates, write a book, become a, an international speaker, or whatever mm -hmm. that next stage is for them. Uh, or they have a new idea. Like They're like, I've been doing this for so long, but you know what? I really want to do this now. So then they become a new business owner again, right? And so they're the startup again. And it's different stuff. So they need to figure out how to do things differently because it's not, you build different businesses different ways. Okay, absolutely. That would make sense to me. You have, you are a speaker. You're an author. You have a ton of resources. I want to talk about I want to talk about you speaking and you being an author first, and then I think I'll jump into the resources and the blog and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, those came later, right? When I started my business, I was just kind of helping one person at a time. Had no idea that I would ever write a book, you know? I uh, had no idea. I, I mean, I thought I would speak because speaking 
became natural to me. I was a big networker when I started my business. So I would go to a lot of networking events and meet people. And I was really, it was easy for me to speak about myself, which is not easy for most people, much less create a presentation and do a presentation type talk, right? Um, but speaking is really the number one fastest path to cash for most business owners. They're just, oh. not everybody's embracing it. <laughs> I would have never guessed that. So people yeah. need to learn how to speak, at least speak up a little or speak in front of people. Be assertive. I call it being more confident and assertive. Yes, that's probably one of the biggest things people uh, that start their own business are lacking. Um, I would say 90% of business owners that start up are lacking in a full confidence in themselves. They might have some confidence, but most people are not 110% confident about their abilities, their worth, their value, uh, themselves, and what their abilities are to do. I mean, I had trouble with that myself, right? I mean, so, but as you go, as more people start paying you and you get clients, then you build your confidence up. Confidence up. Um, that assertiveness, though, is sometimes the hard part. I mean, I used to do door-to-door -door sales. I used to knock on doors oh every my day. God. Yes. Every day. And my goal was a hundred doors. I had to knock on a hundred doors to make a hundred bucks you guys, because I would make $10 a sale at the door and uh, for what the thing I was selling, but it was so hard. It was like, I would be at 80 doors. I'm like, Oh, I just want to quit. It was either too hot or I was too tired or whatever, or we were going uphill in a residential area. <laughs> right. Like knocking on doors. That was probably the thing that makes me do the consistent revenue generating activities was the nine months that I spent doing oh, sales. My God. Yeah. That's some, that's, it's um, very challenging work and you take a lot of no's. You learn how to take no's like nobody's business. And uh, you know, it's, you hope for the no's because you know, if you hit a hundred doors, you're going to hit your 10 yeses. It's just a numbers game. And that's right. what it's like these days too. It really is. It's just a bigger numbers game. hundred is not enough necessarily. <laughs> not enough doors. <laughs> that's crazy. I remember people doing that. And now I get angry if anybody comes to my door. I don't know why, but like, I know. but people do get angry. I know. They oh do. my gosh. So you being, you learn how to be more assertive and sure of yourself doing that though. What, that was I mean, one of the things. Yeah. That's great nine months I <laughs> yeah in the rain and 110 degree weather I mean I was out there with a raincoat and an umbrella with my little bag going door to door oh yeah it's um I don't know the word for it right now because it's I'm, I'm turning 50 and words yeah. just hate me these days but that's okay that's okay the stick to itiveness what's the word yeah. for that <laughs> tenacity I mean that. <laughs> that's where that's where I learned really a lot of tenacity and in yeah. sales and marketing, you need that. You need that. If you don't have that in your DNA, you need to learn it because then when somebody tells you no, you don't crumble. Oh my God, somebody told me no. Right. And then you go into depression. Nobody wants my services. Well, you only talk to three people. Right. You got to talk to a lot more people than three people, you know? 
When did you bring speaking into your business? When did you realize how important that was? Or was it from the beginning? Pretty soon. Yeah. In the beginning, because as soon as I started talking about the marketing and things that I could help people with, the people in the local networking were asking me, oh, you should speak. And I'm like, okay. You know, and back then I didn't have a strategy for it or a structure until I started investing in speaker trainers. And then now Mm -hmm. I have more of a structure in place. But I mean, I was just doing what I knew best. And I, it was, it was intuitive for me because I've been in sales and marketing forever. And I just, I have it in my blood, I think. And I don't know how I got it. It's not in my blood because my mom and dad were not, they're like anti-salespeople. Like, so (laughs) I don't know where it came from, but it was not them. (laughs) But you learned it for sure. You can learn it. You can learn it. If you're open to learning it, you, you have to, as an entrepreneur, sales has to be probably your biggest and most important skill that you continue honing forever. Well, no matter what you're doing, you're selling it. I mean, it comes down to sales, but I think there are different paths or avenues or personalities for that too. That, right. Yeah. It doesn't all have to be like, we're on a used car lot. No, sales does not mean used car lot. It does not mean that. Right. Right. You have to offer your stuff and you have Mm -hmm. to do it in a way that makes the other person want to buy it. Right. When, so how long did it take you before you published a book? Cause I know you, you and I agree on that, that that's something really important for business owners. It is. And the first, uh, the first three books that I did were all compilation books where I wrote a chapter in somebody else's book, made it really easy because I was focused still on building my business and getting clients at that time. I didn't have time to write a whole book, but I knew that it was, I would see people getting published and like, I want to be published. I want a book. So it made sense, right? Yes. So you invest uh, money and you write a chapter and then boop, you're an author. And so one of my very first books was Power and Soul. And that was with Allie Brown back in 2006. And I oh, wrote a awesome. chapter in there. And she was a big name at the time. She still is. But she, you know, got like 40 of us together and we all wrote chapters. And it was an amazing experience and book and and uh, a good investment because it, it really did. I mean, I got on TV in my local area because of that book. I got lots of opportunities to speak. And so it, um, it just snowballed from there. So the first three were compilations. And then I finally took some time and wrote the, the, re- the first book book, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Love Yourself Successful, uh, which is about getting more confidence and getting your value and really feeling comfortable to go after what you want and um not settle and and that was a hard one to write if if i wish somebody would have told me back then that i should write the easiest book first which is what i tell clients right the easiest book that's going to come out of you first <laughs> so you can become published that's true <laughs> although i want to go back to the compilation books because that's something that's been around for a while and i think there were a few months that i heard about it a lot there were a couple in in reno there were a couple books being developed by people that i knew in town so i haven't been part of one of those but i've definitely been sitting there right on the sidelines watching that happen mm-hmm. and for the amount of money and the amount of time and the amount of effort and to have your marketing again it's great marketing right it is the fastest easiest way and it's legitimately you're writing your part of it so yeah. Yeah. I love the compilation. 
Well, that's why I have so many now, because I have 10 books and only two of them are my own written books. The other ones are all compilations. Two of the compilations I published because I now have a compilation book series, the Jumpstart Your Blank series. And so I look for authors who, because uh, I think how important it is to be an author. And if this is your first book, let's just get it done, get you out there with a book. Right. And then you can create more books. But and you're right. Easy. Yes. Right. right. Okay. So I, I published, self-published my own book on my own before I even knew what a compilation was. Yeah. And I'm really, really glad that I did it and thankful. But if I had known or you're right. If someone had told me, I wrote probably, well, I don't know. I have, a, I have another really hard book in me that's not out yet. But like, if you take the two toughest things to write about, and then the five that are not, write about the five that are not, right? right? No, I didn't do right. that either. Get it out, get it done, and then write the hard book. My own book, My Love Yourself Successful, took me three years to write. I thought, okay, well, I thought, well, when I had the idea... I said, well, I don't know what the book looks like yet, so maybe I'll plan an event. And then through developing the content for the live event, I will have the book because the content for the live event will end up being the book because they were going to be a similar topic, but okay. that didn't work. So I had the content for the event and it was the roadmap and this thing and the plan and the seven-step system, but it didn't, it, it was a seven-step system and it didn't feel like that was going to be the book. So then I was still plugging along. Okay. I still got to write this book. And then of course I had to go through a breakup of a relationship <laughs> in order to really get down, oh, yeah. <laughs> down the dumps. And then that's where the real good stuff came out. <laughs> and the, uh, the magic. Oh my God. So it, I think it took me actually a little bit longer to yeah write the book, but that is great advice. And so from a marketing, the, the advice is start with the easier one. I mean, really legitimately start with the easier one. Yeah. And a compilation automatically kind of present, it lends itself because that's the process of it. You're not doing the whole thing. And the marketing is usually part of the package of paying for it. Was that the case for yours? Of course. Yeah. yeah. Most of them, because there's either 20 or 40 authors or somewhere in there, you have a lot of people that are sharing it with all of their followers, right? Mm -hmm. So you have a lot of uh, leverage there. And it's, you know, people will read it that wouldn't ever know about it if it was yeah. just you marketing it to your people. Um, and the so. publisher usually does some work on their own too, whoever's doing the publishing for you, even if it, they're self-publishing, that company does. So that's a right. great thing. And mm -hmm. tell me about the credibility you get as a business owner who's a published author. Well, yeah, it's just people now, especially, I don't know why I'm on a lot of Zoom calls and stuff and there's 30, 40 people. And I tell you, maybe one other person has a really cool background in their video. Everybody else is just sitting in their living room or sitting mm -hmm. on their bed or whatever. Like it surprises me how you don't show up marketing. Like why would you not right. create a space for yourself where if you're going to be on video a lot, create the background that promotes your stuff for God's sakes. Right. So it, I don't get it. I don't get how people are not thinking that way that cause I'm always thinking marketing. Like this is just uh, what you do. And it's not that I'm always going on to these calls and saying, Oh, I have these books. I don't have to say anything about it. And they're like, Oh, look at all your books. And then all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, yeah, I have books. I help people get published. And that's a good conversation starter. Right. So 
I mean, put your banner up, put your logo behind you, put do something to where it's uh, we can see some of the results of what you've got and what you're Which doing. Which I don't have. You know, I did. It fell down. <laughs> I've got to figure out. Uh, we've been talking about this. I have got to figure out how to do it better in our situation. <laughs> yes. But that's true. It's free advertising. It is. Well, and I just figured you're naked. So you want your background uh, that naked is. because it's just well, naked. But, well, but and there's a difference. You have your logo back there, the naked podcaster, mm -hmm. right? Right. Um, and then if you're on for something else, because it's not the only thing I do, I have to Change be able to switch it. Yeah. So which is why like a big floor banner or something yeah. like that. You can just like, here's my floor banner for the naked podcaster. Boop, set, take that, set out, that up. Yeah. You know, and exactly. You but you're right. And I did have it, but I and it's it drives me crazy. But true, it is naked like the naked podcaster. <laughs> you have a lot. You have you have a free um Facebook, is it a Facebook group? I have a bunch part of Facebook groups. Okay. That I you run a free Zoom. You do one. Is it a $7? There's, uh, I run two free groups, okay. which is the International Speaker Network group, as well as the Jumpstart Your Marketing and Business Now group on Facebook. Those are both free. And then there's a jump, uh, International Entrepreneur Network, which is a paid group, but it's seven bucks a month. And it's, there's a Facebook group, but there's also Zoom calls every month. So right. it's more of a training and coaching kind of a group. So it's a paid group, but it's a low price. You know, just, I just want to help more people. I want to help more right. people make more money, get your stuff done. Like let's just sell shit. People are waiting. They just don't know what to do to even make a sale. Sometimes they're just frozen or they don't know what to do to sell their knowledge and get it out of their head into a six week program or whatever. Right. And it sometimes it only takes me 10 minutes. It's like, this is this, and this ask you a couple questions. Boom. Well, this is what you offer. And this is the price you should charge and go. Right. Right. And people will still, I do that. And they're like, well, I'll think about it. What really stop it, go sell it. And then, you know, I don't know. I'm just, I move too fast for some people, I guess. <laughs> you do. You have a, well, you have a lot of high energy, which I do too, just in different ways. But I love the fact that you have, you have a ton of resources that are free. You have the ability for people to reach out to you. You have a $7 a month and then all the way up to one-on-one -on -one coaching that's really diving deep and helping people in a bigger way. So I want to point that out because I think it's rare and exceptional that you have so many options so that it can be affordable for anybody to start gaining some traction. Yeah. And, and marketing's scary for those of us who don't like marketing or don't know marketing or don't understand it or just, you know, the sweaty palms and freezing up and stuff. It, it's a real thing. So it's yeah. great that you love it and that you know it, but it is scary. So you make it super easy. It is. I love, it's all, it really, for those people, it's about the words. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they just don't know the words to write in an email, to say mm -hmm. on a post, to blurt at a networking event. You just don't know the words. And when you get the words, um, they don't, they don't have to be my words, but I can finesse words into that sounds authentic to you. But when you get those words, then you're like, ah, okay. Then you have more confidence to at least say them or write them. And then when people respond, you're like, yay. And you get more confidence. And when people actually pay you for what it is you're trying to talk about, it's even more confidence. Confidence brings, or clarity brings confidence, brings cash flow. So. Oh, I love yeah. that. 
Yeah. That's awesome. And you do, you do, I love the, you do other virtual calls and events. You do other stuff like in California and you can do them on Zoom also, correct? Right. Well, and you know, some people aren't interested in traveling these days. Mm -hmm. So I do have live events and we'll see what happens with those. But the, um, but what, uh, but I've been doing some group, uh, virtual stuff too. And I used to do a lot of, lot more virtual trainings in the past, but then I had them recorded and they were home study programs Mm -hmm. and I stick to the, so I have an annual mastermind program, which is a higher investment, but it's, it's unlimited access one-on-one plus group calls, plus live events, plus online trainings, plus, plus, plus. It's like everything in the kitchen sink is that's the main program. But then there's like, yeah, one-on-one. But I've been doing little small programs too. Like I did an author training program for those Mm -hmm. who want to write a book and be published and what they want to learn how to do it themselves. So I'm all about the quick and easy ways to do that. I'm going to do one on how to create your online course. um, Oh, awesome. How to really get that done so that you can make more money and do group programs and more leveraged offerings via Zoom and stuff. So you don't have to leave your house and you can make money. So many people want to do that, but they don't even know where to get started. And there's people that charge thousands of dollars Mm -hmm. to teach that when I can teach you in an hour, what you can do. I just, it, I, could I charge thousands? Yes. But am I going to No, because I want to help more people do this and Mm -hmm. I want to do it faster. I don't want to take six months to teach you how to do an online course when it can take you, you know, a couple hours. It's right. Well, it was the same thing when I started the podcast. I mean, I, I looked it up. I became the Google master. You search it, you find the information, you put it together. Once you get to the other side, it was the same thing when I wrote the book too. Once you get to the other side, you're like, I get the system now. Now I understand. And it, I, it's the same thing. What took me a couple of weeks, I could tell somebody in 30 minutes, we could start a podcast and be done. Exactly. So, right. And the information's out there, but when you're good at consolidating that and presenting it, then yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it was like that for me for writing a book too. Now let's go back in time. Take me back a little bit. You said you're turning 50 this year. We were both born in 1970. So that's good. Which and makes it so easy to figure out how old we are. Because <laughs> it's a round number. I know. There's like, it's brain. Oh my God. I am so bad at like Insta math. <laughs> yeah, no, can't do it. We made it easy. I told you 70 and I told you we're turning 50. You don't even have to add anything, but right. yes. And you're in the Sacramento, California area. Yes. Yes. So let's go back in time. Let's dig into the struggle. Well, it all started back when I was six. (laughs) 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 Me too. (laughs) No, honestly, I have like this signature story that I teach and it's, it's, uh, it, uh, I did some storytelling, um, training one time and the leading sentences, you know, um, I was six years old and my dad was two days late to pick me up. Right. Mm. So the hard part there was, you know, I, I felt like I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't important. I didn't matter. Right. My dad and mom were divorced and that was, this was way back. Right. Yeah. And uh, so I've always felt that I was the only child. And so I always felt the need to get attention just like a lot of other only child children. And, um, but it was, it was hard. And my dad was not really in the picture a lot. And when he was, he would say a really cool, nice thing. And then he would say a criticism, which he didn't realize he was criticizing at the time. 
right? So when I was in my teens and I'd go to visit him, which is like once a year, I'd see him. He would say, oh, um, I'm so excited that you did whatever, you graduated or you have honors in this class or whatever, but how come you haven't lost the weight yet? Or, you know, or in after college when I was doing my business, he'd be like, I'm so excited. I'm so proud of you for doing your own business, but how come you haven't fixed that crooked tooth yet? Right. And that's what I would be living with. I mean, I lived with that till he died in 2007. And so I saw him less and less and less, but it, it all stemmed back from, from that. And then being a little insecure about myself, right? That insecurity mm -hmm. leads to lack of confidence, lack of belief in yourself, lack of feeling valued, which is what brought me to the book and some of the things I teach, right? Um, it was, it was, I, I must say I had a really good childhood though. I really, really did. My mom was great. Um, although she worked a lot. So I, I, looking back on it, I think I was alone a lot and uh, trying to, I would play, I, I remember one thing was I would play board games by myself. Have you ever played, you know, the game, sorry. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't know why that game sticks out to me, but I was red, yellow, green, and blue. I would play all the different pieces and just move around the board. And I remember playing stuff, games by myself, which was sad. So it, uh, I don't know. Like, I felt like I was never with the cool kids, you know, that's part of, um, growing up. I felt like I was never the popular one, but what's funny is, um, in high school, I thought oh, I'm not one of the popular kids, although I was in the pom-pom squad and dance squad and stuff. And then two years later, somebody said, well, you were, you know, such a popular person. And they looked at me as a popular person, but I didn't feel like a popular person. So that was kind of all my life. I grew up like that. That's yeah. sad. I know, right? And yeah, which, it is. Uh, which leads I mean, me to today, which is like, I feel like the best kept secret. I was just talking to someone today who just signed up as a new client. And I'm like, she's like, I wish I would have found you a year ago. And I'm like, I know, I feel like the best kept secret. And so it's like the same thing that's going through my 50 years. It's yeah. like, oh, I don't think I'm popular, but I am. People look right. like, oh my God, you have 10 books and you're everywhere all over the internet. I see you. I follow you. I've been on your email list for 10 years, Katrina. I'm like, oh really? I didn't know. Like, it's just uh, what we do to ourselves. Yeah. Well, we're our own worst critics, but a lot of that did come, it stemmed from being alone a lot, being an only yeah. child and having a dad who did a criticism sandwich sort of, you know. Yeah that that sucks and feeling alone and feeling not worth it or not good enough for like you're not accomplishing enough and that that's not a good place to be so where does that lead you you're on pom-pom squad in high school where did that lead you down the road yeah well and i think i always tried to be um popular and so when i uh i would apply for or well, not apply but i would in college i was in a sorority and i would be like the um what was it special event person mm -hmm. so i'd be the one planning the parties and the mixers and all that kind of thing because i wanted to be the popular one and then when i started my business what do you do you want to join the thing right so if i go to workshops and they're selling a twenty thousand dollar program well i'm i have to join that because i have to be seen and i have to so oh my god let me just tell you i've spent about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars because of my ego 
because my ego wanted to be seen. I joined a $100,000 coaching program one time when I had no business joining that because of the money, but the, yeah, I wanted to be one of the five people out of the 500 that was the one, ooh, you did that. And uh, I tell you, it's just, if I wish I could have kicked my ego's ass back then and said, shut the hell down, up, up and do the $1,500 thing, not the $100,000, you know, but I just, I felt the need to be in that, to shine. I don't know. It was, it's annoying but it got me where I am and I'm very grateful because I, it, I know who that is today, right? Right, but you have to go through the growing pains. I think one of the most common things about people who are lacking confidence and have a self-esteem are you from little kids on up, we all just wanna be seen, but we really wanna be seen for who we are, not always what yeah. we present, right? And so having somebody break through that, like for me, it's, it's not just being seen, it's being seen as somebody being okay with who you are and where you're yeah. at. And that's so well, that tough. brought me to the first marriage. All right, let's jump in there. So you meet Mr. Right or Mr. Uh, right now. Oh my God. So my starter marriage. <laughs> I, uh, he's a great guy. I met him doing door-to-door sales. No, no way. Okay, tell yeah. me that. I he need to hired me as a salesperson at that company. And um, he was working under the table. It was kind of a, a shade. I didn't know it was a shady under the table kind of deal at the time. I didn't know. I had no idea. I was trusting, you know, I was 26 or something like that and fresh out of college. And my mom was so proud as a bartender. And <laughs> I am going to door-to-door sales with a college degree. But I didn't want to get a J-O-B. I, I, was, I right. knew I was meant for something different, and I didn't know what that looked like. Anyway, so he hires me, and we get to know each other, and we, and we get together. And, uh, and then we ended up quitting the company because we found out it was kind of shady. But he was from Canada, and so he couldn't get a job. And I'm like, well... So I had to work double shifts at Chevy's, no, no joke, a restaurant, right? I've worked at Chevy's or restaurants all through college, but I had to literally work double shifts at Chevy's to get us back on our feet. And then we just kind of shotgun. We actually, we eloped to Reno where you live. Uh, so we could get, and then we had a wedding later with everybody. My dad didn't know. My mom knew that we eloped because we needed to get him, uh, we need to get him a job, frankly, so I could stop working double shifts, right? But he couldn't work. So anyways, so we got married. But uh, so I thought because he was um, doing door to door and that's a very outgoing thing, right? That he was more sales oriented and, and entrepreneurial minded. Come to find out though, when he got a job and he had a regular paycheck, he was the paycheck mindset. He was the employee yeah. mindset all the way. Yeah. And uh, so when I wanted to that sounded magical and romantic yeah right he just wanted to we need a green card and a and a job so let's elope to Reno I know right oh my gosh um but we were in love at the time looking back I don't know I mean we had a whole bunch of friends and we all kind of got married at the same time and then they all had babies and luckily I did not and uh well, I say luckily because we ended up getting divorced and right. I just, I never wanted to be pregnant or give birth. So I'm just not, I just didn't, I didn't have that pull. Um, 
anyways, so that I, a couple of few years into my, into the marriage, I wanted to start my own business or I got that bug. Right. And, uh, as the more I learned about it and the more I would go to networking events, uh, the more I thought uh, my friends invited me to these workshops where I met Ali Brown and all these other people. I was like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta spend 3000 on this. I gotta go do this. And I gotta learn this. And he was, of course, the employee mindset was like, well, no, we don't mm. have that. I said, well, we'll just charge it and I'll make the money and we'll pay it back later and da, da, da. And I just had this no fear, risk-taking, you know, uh, entrepreneur attitude that entrepreneurs have. We have no fear. A yes. Lot of <laughs> what did you graduate? What was your degree in? Business and marketing. Okay, yeah. so that's so, great. So from the beginning, you no wonder you came out because sometimes people are like, you know, accounting, but I wanted to do my own marketing thing, you know, but you, you dialed it in from the beginning. I did. Although I'll tell you, most of the stuff I learned in college was not that helpful when you start your own business. <laughs> you really They're not teaching you to be entrepreneurial. Yeah. That you really have to learn from other people in the trenches to, to know exactly all the things to do, but it did prepare me for a lot of the different languaging and sales conversations and stuff like that. And tenacity. Thank you. Um, yeah. And the more I grew, the less he wanted to know and go with me. And so we just kind of ended up growing apart, living as roommates in the last couple of years. You know, I would go to networking events and be all, hi, yay, and everything's fine. And then I would go home and I would really literally cry myself to sleep because Aww. I was so unhappy in my personal life. I mean, the business was going and but I couldn't even be happy over there because I was so unhappy in the personal life. And that's, I think it's so important to make sure you focus on both. Oh my gosh. Yes. In order to really live a happy life. Do you think now he wasn't supportive of you being an entrepreneur. He liked the paycheck. I can understand some of that security. I yeah. I mean, people, people have a right to feel that way. Um, did you realize you guys didn't know each other for that long? You didn't realize how not alike you were. Was he okay not having kids? He didn't, did he try to discourage you from going to networking events? <laughs> no, he, we were together for eight and a half years total, actually. And um, we just, we never really had the kid convert. Neither one of us are ready for kids. Uh, we had a dog and a cat and he would be the one that wouldn't want to get up in the middle of the night and let the dog out. <laughs> so I'm okay. like, huh, I don't think I'm going to have kids with this guy. Cause he's not even going to let the dog out to be in the middle of the night, much less get a waking baby in the middle of the night. Right. So, right. So yeah, that was the first clue, uh, red flag, which people don't pay attention to those things and they do it anyways. And then they're unhappy. So, um, no, he's a great guy and don't get right, me wrong. Right. He's an amazing guy. We agreed to that we're just on different paths and we did split very amicably mm -hmm. and very inexpensively. Thank you. <laughs> uh, luckily, I'm one of the lucky ones as far as when it comes to a divorce is situation. Yeah. And uh, I got the dog, he got the cat. I got, I got the better end of the deal. <laughs> and uh, it was a pretty good, easy split. But then I was alone. Right. And I'm the kind of gal, which I like to be with. I like that relationship. I'm a, I'm a love type person. I love love mm -hmm. and I love being in love. I love having someone love me. I want to be in that loving, giving relationship. And so for many years, I had this hole in my heart, I say, because there wasn't somebody there to 
be that supportive person for me. And it was just sad. It was very sad. And, um, but I would still fake it. I would still go out there and fake being happy when I wasn't, which I don't recommend. I just didn't know what I didn't know back then on how to be real and how to be authentic and how to really share. I thought the more I shared about that, the less credible I would be is what I thought, which is not true, but that's no. people think that way. There's separate things, but also you can't go to a networking event. And people say, how are you? And you can't say, you know, I'm miserable. My marriage is really going into the shitter. I, <laughs> right, right, right. So you can't really, you can't really be totally authentic in those situations, but you don't need to say nothing and pretend either. Right. And you're right. I want to go back and touch on the fact that people need to work on their personal and their business life. I never liked when people, when you got, you get the advice that you need to keep them totally separate. I mean, they're not, and they can't. Yeah. I mean, my husband doesn't come on and do podcasts with me. Right. But I have the support. It's in other ways. you they, they intertwine all the time. Yeah. And you'd been unhappy in the marriage for a while too. I had been. It had been a couple years that we were just pretty much living as roommates and and not really any intimacy or um, or attention and affection and stuff. And I'm huge on that. So you know the love languages, right? Yep. I'm just yep. all about that. Physical contact. Are you a physical, physical touch? contact? Yep. I need the um, words too. I need the. Oh. So, uh, I need people to say, Oh, you look good. Or you smell good. Or I love, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, uh, and it was, it was hard, but I realized I was about 35 when I left the marriage, 35 years old. And I realized I'm like, what if I live till I'm 70? Like, do I really want to live like this? Like, I don't want to settle for not having love and passion and affection and, and someone who's really a cheerleader for what I really am excited about doing. And someone like I would have a speaking gig or a networking event in the evening. And I would say, come with me. You can meet some of my entrepreneur friends and da da da. And he wouldn't want to come. Yeah. Right. And that, that was hard. It's like, well, you have nothing to do. You'd rather sit home than come and support me. Like, I don't, that's not supportive. And then like, I didn't realize how much this affected the growth of my business and my mentality and my pricing and, and my ability to ask for the sale and all this kind of stuff and put myself out there. I didn't realize how much that up being um, not happy affected that until years later uh. when I saw it in my clients. I saw it in my clients and one year I evaluated all my clients and I, I usually have about 90% women and 10% men clients usually. And I evaluated all of them and mostly it was the women, but 60% of them were not happy in their personal lives. They were either single and didn't really want to be, or they were in a relationship that was not um, supportive, or they were in a crappy relationship, much less a good one that's not supportive, or they were in like just out of a relationship and in a hard time with the transition. Um, it, and I'm like, wow, no wonder you're not doing the networking or you're not making the follow-up calls or you're not doing the, you know, doing the things that are going to help grow your business is because you're not feeling the love. You're not feeling the um, 
you know, attention and you're not feeling supported. And that makes a huge difference with your revenue producing activities, frankly. That is awesome. And I hadn't, I mean, I think that they should be intertwined completely anyway, but that's crazy that it was 60%. Yeah. That's crazy to me. It really was. But you felt that because that was your experience. You were in a marriage yeah. that was kind of empty for a long time. So when it ended, it was just like the final, well, now you really are alone. That's not going to get better. You're here. That's when you wrote your first book on your own. Yeah. yeah. So how, how, <laughs> tell me about all of that pouring out. Well, uh, and that was, um, soon after. So then I went along in the online dating world and boys oh. about the online dating world. Right. Uh, especially with someone who's practical, tactical girl. So practical, tactical girl went online dating with her list of 43 things that she wanted in her next relationship. <laughs> Perfect. Nailing Great. it. No pressure. I had my interview questions. I had my checklists. I, I got nowhere. Let me tell you. Oh, shocking. Nobody wanted a second date from the interview girl. Right. Um, and that didn't take me very long to figure out, oh, that's not really a good approach. That's not getting me anywhere. It would get me some, maybe some guys that'll like wanted to hook up, but not a lot of really good relationship guys because they would right. be off by, or intimidated, frankly, because I was very confident and very yeah. independent. And a lot of guys, gosh, I would say about 95% of them in the dating world at the time, at least, were uh were very um intimidated by that kind of a woman mm -hmm. it's very hard to find a, a guy that can be super confident around a super confident woman especially someone who's making good money and is very successful and uh, it was it was a challenge and i see it with a lot of my successful women friends too is especially the single ones they're like you know it's a it's the this this it's the skim of the mouth. It's the cream of the crop of the guys that will, that can actually feel good about it. Right. Especially if you're making more money than they are. Yeah. That's a huge thing. And a lot of guys run from that and it's their own fear and insecurities, which, you know, frankly, they need to work on. But I, <clears throat> so I realized I'm like, well, maybe I should do some relationship coaching. And so I went into one year well, not one year, but a, over a span of a couple of years, I went to a few different relationship courses with this one company that was amazing, been around forever. Boy, did I have my eyes opened up. Like, oh, I, now I know what's wrong with my marriage. Now I know what I did wrong. Now I know what I've been doing wrong. And, you know, frankly, it was hard to admit at the beginning, but I was emasculating men. And you know, I didn't realize that they were feeling uh, emasculated by comments and snide remarks or whatever I would do. And, and I didn't, I didn't know what I didn't know. And right. luckily I learned how to change it and be different with the men I was dating or looking to date and even change my list of 43 things just slightly, um, <laughs> you know, added a couple extra things. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, there's now 47. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it was a very good learning. It was probably some of the best coaching that I ever got in my whole life mm -hmm. for being a better person. It was probably some of the best coaching I've got. And I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on coaching, 
So I think it's common to not know what you don't know. You're not, you don't realize you're doing it. There's no malicious intent, but until it's pointed out, yeah. you know, I don't think that that's like, I'm sure you find the same thing. Mm-hmm. People doing something or not doing something without realizing. Well, and so for a while I was like telling a lot of my girlfriends, oh my God, you have to go to this course and da, 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 da. And people just don't see the same value in investing. It was a couple thousand dollars per weekend for these things. Right. And they'd be like, oh, I can't afford that. Or I don't want, well, you want the man, right? You want the relationship? I'm telling you, go to the course. Like, and they would not go. And I'd be like, what is, what, what is wrong with you? Like, seriously, like you, I can't impart this stuff as like these people can. And right. it'll change your world and da da da. And I still have a friend to this day who's still single. And it's been, I don't know, 10 years since I've been doing this stuff. And she still will not invest in her own. Oh no, it's not me, it's them. Ugh, I oh, I know, right? That's never the case. I mean, I've been in four serious relationships in my life. And I think I chose really good men who I really wasn't great with the first few times. And there's nothing wrong with them and there's nothing wrong with me, but I also will agree when, when I went to therapy at the end of relationships a couple of times, I learned more about myself Right. and I don't want to use blame like this terrible thing, but like my part in the situation, like you said, what I was to blame for, cause it's never one-sided. You're half mm-hmm. of the equation there. And that was the most, you're right. So coaching would have been the same, especially if you're looking directly to learn about that specifically. That was some of the best information I ever got. Did not save the relationship, helped me tremendously moving forward. Mm-hmm. I also had a coach a few years ago and she said that often when people come to her for their business coaching, you know, business coaching, stuff in the personal life completely changes. It falls apart, it gets better, it gets worse before it gets better. But like you can't work that hard on your business without things being impacted in your personal life and your home life and it's like they go together completely yeah sometimes i get somebody who really is fired up about building their business and then come to questioning them and oh yeah my husband supports me okay so what's he doing and well he says i could i can't go to your workshop because i'm not making money yet or he says i can't or i can't i can't i can't or you have to make money before you spend. I'm like, that's not support. That's not support. I get if there's a financial, yep. um, if, you're, if you really don't have the funds, but to not let you, or that's just not supportive. And people don't see it yet. They just don't see what they don't see. They say, oh no, he says he's, he's supportive all the time, but then he doesn't show it, right? So there's so right. much of that going on. There's so much, and it's not just men not supporting their wives. There's this vice. It's both, right. it both ways. Um, and so the, that's the difference between the entrepreneur mindset and the employee mindset. And they're usually married to each other. Right. And yeah, uh, they're usually married. And it's when you can communicate as an entrepreneur, if you're an entrepreneur, you have to be able to communicate not only your, your purpose, your passion, your vision, but you also have to be able to crunch the numbers. Like, Hey, if I do this and learn this, I'm going to be able to make this and do this for years on end. And it's going to work itself out. You have to trust. It is, there is some trust and belief, you know, that has to happen, but you have to be able to show that you can't just say, Oh, but honey, it's my passion. And you got to do more to communicate with the Mm -hmm. other person, depending on what their sticking points are. So you got to learn really 
it's sales conversation, really. It's right. sales conversation between the spouses. You have to sell your passion and your thing. Now, if the person's not willing to listen or be open to getting help or getting a third party in there to talk about it, then that's their own closed offness um, mindset that, that may or may not be able to be fixed. And you have to ask right. yourself, like I did when I was 35, are you willing to settle for that relationship if you live another 20, 30 years? Or do you need to leave and really find someone who's, once you've tried working on it, if it's not going to work, you have to decide. What happened with you meeting more men? Meeting more men? Oh, well. Like after you went through all the relationship stuff. Oh, well, after I went the relationship, it moved quickly because I was so much more clear. When you're clear on what you want in your business or your personal life, things can move quickly. But I, was, I went all in one year. So yeah. 2012 is when I went all in. I actually hadn't even attended the third relationship workshop yet that I was going to attend, I think, in that first quarter. But that January, I said, okay, I'm not investing in my business this year. It's kind of going on and so on. And it's good. It's, I had consistent revenue coming in. I'm like, I want to find the man this year. I was like, I'm going to find the man this year. So I hired a $6,000 matchmaker. Okay. Matchmaker. I love okay. this. Okay. I okay. did. I was, I'm all in. I went to those relationship workshops. So that was about six grand of investment in the last okay. year. Right. And then I was on four different dating sites. So I was on two paid ones and two free ones. I had my system worked out. So I, it was a numbers game. So back to the door to door sales on yeah. doors is you find your 10 sales. So I'm like, I got to talk to or meet a hundred guys and I will find the one. That was my thing. That was my thing. All right. I know, right? So I had I had a coffee date in the morning and a cocktail date at night. I would meet one time I had well many more than just once, but many times I had two or three dates in one day. But I did short dates. They were short dates, like fifteen minutes. Let's let's kind of like what I call a get to know you call. So I have a get to know you call now in business. We had a like get to know you meeting coffee or cocktails. Okay. Uh, when I was dating. And then if we liked each other, we would just say and go to the next step. And I, uh, <laughs> I have all these things to tell, tell about online dating. I was on TV when, uh, to get publicity in Sacramento for online dating advice. Trust me. And I'm a business coach. But they knew that I wrote the book, Love Yourself Successful. I started talking about this online dating story in an interview one time I was on. And she's like, we're going to have to have you back for your online dating. I'm like, yes, you are. And I wasn't even, you know, an expert in online dating. I just have a system for it. So I have a system for sorting, have a sort <laughs> okay. that you meet. It's called sorting, not dating. And then you have to keep folders and files and notes on people. So you have printouts and notes. And because sometimes you're managing 10 or 12 people at a time, if you're working yeah. it like a business, right? Right. Like with your prospects and your clients, I have a whole folder of potential people that want to work with me in my business. So right. I did the same thing with my, uh, with my dating. So I'd have to have things written down though, because I wouldn't remember. Right. <laughs> and then you have to keep them in a certain system in your phone so that if this Steve called from plenty of fish versus the Steve from match, I would know who was who. And then I could match them with the notes and I could be then, then I could, I wouldn't, <laughs> I could go on for this. Forever. Oh my gosh. This is awesome. <laughs> I know. It's just fun. So, so it, you I'm did it. It worked well. Six months later, I met the man who's now my husband, who is amazing. So it took me six months from that January. 
and I met an amazing man. I don't know if I met the hundred or not. I didn't actually calculate and keep track of that. Yeah. Okay, okay. Okay. I know, right? I, okay. All right. So, but you, you did this system and you met him and how was he so much different? Oh, he was just everything. He was everything on my list of 45 things. He really was. And I even had him do uh, some of the exercises that I'd learned in those relationship courses and he would be game, right? So he yeah. actually, okay, I'll fill out your little questionnaire, da, 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 like two weeks into it, right? And, and then lo and behold, his questionnaire matched my questionnaire. And so we were like, oh, well, that's interesting. And uh, one of the big things I learned and we know that causes a uh, divorce is money, right? The money yep. and people don't talk about money. I right. had the money talk with them four weeks into it. I said, if you, I, all kinds of different money scenarios. Cause I had a boyfriend previously who, when we were going through tough times and I said, oh my God, I don't know how to pay my bills one month. He went out and bought a $350 kegerator. Who does that? We're living together, right? Like who spends money when you don't have any money like that? And that was his stress thing. That oh, was good. His, so when he was tight on money, he would spend money. Well, that doesn't compute to me. Right. So when I'm tight on money, that's when I eat top ramen or whatever. Right. And so I, all of our money things lined up and, and how we would spend money if we got money or how we would save money if we didn't have money, et cetera. And I think that's a really important thing that a conversation to have. And, um, yeah, he was just outgoing. Now he talked a lot, which is funny. He talked so much on our first date. I had to interrupt him a couple of times and said, well, about himself. And I'd be like, so do you want to know anything about me? I'm just curious. Or like, <laughs> you're going to talk about yourself all night. <laughs> and so he liked my sarcastic uh, ability and he was sarcastic back. And so we just, we just were a really good fit from day one. It was really amazing. And uh, I can't imagine life without him. So. so now that was eight years ago. That was almost seven years ago. Okay. Seven. Yeah. So th since then, obviously things are going, you have that relationship that you want. I have the love, I have the money, it's all good. Um, things can always be better, but yeah, it's, uh, things are in a good place, you know? Support, touchy-feely. Got rid of the people who weren't, weren't supportive in my life and I don't settle for being around people. I, get, I don't want clients that aren't gonna do what I tell them to do, you know? It's, right. You gotta make those decisions, like to not be around toxic people. And even if it's a close, person like my dad was well when he died was I sad yeah a little bit but mostly I was relieved because I didn't have that negative person in my life anymore yeah and so you know you have to make hard decisions sometimes to either see somebody less if they're not supportive maybe get a divorce if that's the person you're married to change your own self if you have your own head trash going on get some support therapy, whatever it is. Yeah. You have to work on this stuff or you're going to be 65, 80 and just be miserable. Right. And I just am not willing to settle for miserable. I want to, I want to, life is short and we got to spend the time we have here on the planet as happy and love and fulfilled as possible. Agreed. What is the switch now? I want to wrap up by bringing it back to the business more, although I love how we've intertwined it. You had like a 60% rate of clients who were not happy in their personal life. How much of a switch has there been with that in the last 10 years then? Um, I probably attract a lot, a lot more people who aren't 
as unhappy, but I still attract those mm. people because, um, because I know they want help, uh, you know, like attracts like, and, and, yeah. uh, I think people are drawn to me because underlying, they want some help with that, but they're not sure how to ask and, mm. or maybe they don't even realize, but they hear my story and I, I get it a lot when I, even if I just share a snippet of what I've shared so far today here, right. um, people will come up to me and afterwards and say, well, oh, my husband says stuff like that too. And what do I do? And, you know, and I get that a lot. And it's just sad because I want people to be as happy as I am with Jason and, um, in their you know, business. we all deserve it. Yeah. Yeah, we do. You're right though. It does directly equate to your business. If you can get, that's awesome. Katrina, this was so fun. So fun to learn the story. And I love the, the dating. I can understand. Like I, that's the first thing I'm like, we need to have one just on online date. I think I should get a bunch of the women that I've interviewed that have all done online dating and do like a group podcast <laughs> video. Cause it is, it is so fascinating, but your system yeah. The system yeah. was good. And you never wanted to branch off and do that. Well, I did. I, because I'm always marketing, I actually d realized I had a system. So I put four ladies through like a little beta program, recorded <gasps> it. And now I have an online training program for women over 40. Oh yes. my God. I love this. Of course I sell it. <laughs> of course it's, <laughs> it's a low price thing. And sometimes I give it to coaching clients when they, when they work with me, just cause I want them to be happier and you know, but yes, of course. Hello. I'm oh, marketing always be marketing i i was yeah, confused by it. <laughs> it's my love funnel you go from the book to the the course to the love yourself successful series to my love and money live event and then i have the business stuff yes um i'm all I'm about love so glad love in your life and money in your business so thank you so much for being on